day because we've had a lot of stuff. And it's been good stuff. We've had some testimonies today, and that is really, really valuable of, of hearing real accounts of what God has really done in people's real lives. You know, it's not just about theory. This is about living, okay? So uh, I want this morning to talk very quickly. But I want to ask a question, and it might seem a weird question, but which Jesus do we serve? Which, hang on, there's only one Jesus, isn't there? But sometimes our perceptions of Jesus can affect the way we serve because there's different aspects and different perceptions of who he is and what he's like. Can I just say that when Pam was in her tough time, he was the same Jesus that brought you out and has changed your life. It isn't that Jesus changes, it's that we change. He's the same. Going to read Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20, and it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. In other words, they had no idea. They had all sorts of ideas. But Jesus wasn't really interested in what people say. What he really wanted to know was this. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, or the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. You see, Peter got a revelation of who Jesus really was. All sorts of people had theories. And let's face it, people think they know about Jesus, some historical figure, some religious figure. But God wants us to know who Jesus really is. On Easter Sunday, when I last spoke, I spoke about the many convincing proofs that the book of Acts refers to about the resurrection of Jesus. And one writer said this, what we think about Jesus is the most important thing about us. And I think that's right. We can have opinions about all sorts of things, but what we think about Jesus and how we perceive him has to be the key issue in any individual's lives. With you teaching without following Buddha. But you can't follow Jesus by just following his teachings. Christianity is Christ. And it's all bound up in him. So we're not called to follow teachings. I just want you to know that. It's not that we agree with God. We're called to follow Jesus. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Not agree with me, but follow me. So there's two things I want to say about who Jesus is, first of all. And it's this. Christ was fully God and he still is. Never have any doubts about Jesus being divine. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. It says in verse 3 of John chapter 1, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. One of the things that God does is create. And Jesus, the living Word, was at creation. He created all things. In him was life, and that life was was the light of all mankind. In Titus, it says this, 2.13, while we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great 
God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. This stuff is written in God's written word so that we know who Jesus is. He is God. And I love this bit. You know, Moses was called by God. Do you remember the burning bush? He was called by God to go and lead his people out of Israel. And he was a bit taken aback with this. He said, well, if they, they won't believe me. Who shall I say sent me? And God said this. He said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers sent me. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? And this is what God said. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Okay? This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. So God revealed himself as I am. Right. Jesus, later on, when he was on the earth, was confronted by religious leaders who knew all about what I've just read you. And he identified himself in the same way. He said this in John 8, 58 and 59. They asked him who he was. He said, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. He didn't say I was or I came afterwards. Jesus said, I am. And at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus slipped away. They did their pieces because they knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying, I am. And he was using the same name for himself as God used before Moses. Jesus was God. Fully God on this earth. You know, we need the Holy Spirit to, to reveal who he is. You know, Jesus was also not only fully God, but he was also fully man. Without being so, he couldn't represent us on the cross and defeat sin and death. He had a supernatural conception, right? But he had a very normal birth to a human mother. He was born into this world. He got tired. He was hungry. He even got angry when he was in the temple. Do you remember? He had human emotion. He was human. In Philippians 2, it says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own, to his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. The divine God, the Son of God, the living Word of God, came to this world and became fully man. I don't ask me to explain that to you because it's a bit difficult because I'm talking about God, who he is, and Jesus, who he is. But I do know this, this is how Jesus is revealed in the scripture and he's the, that, that's the Jesus I serve. That's the one. There's tons more about that in the Bible, but this is just a brief little taste, a little foundation upon which we can stand. You see, Jesus proved who he was because not only did he die, but he rose again. If he'd have been a liar, or a charlatan, or a fake, we wouldn't even be here. He rose and ascended, and he gives life. Jesus said to Thomas, he said, Thomas said, show us the Father, and that's, that, is it Thomas? One of them said, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. He said, Jesus, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. <laughs> you see, 
It's a vital foundation that we know who Jesus is. He's the one who gave his life. He's the one that left the 99 to find us. He's the one that, uh, in the the words that is reckless love of God. God isn't reckless in, in a crazy sort of way, but the love he has for us in sending Jesus and coming to this earth is pretty reckless. But he did it for us. The thing is this, folks, what about you? Who do you say I am? Because it gets personal. And I want to challenge us today and ask, which Jesus do we know and which Jesus do we serve? You see, Jesus is who he is. And I've given you a bit of a flavour about who he is. He's God and he's man and he's eternal and he's a son of God. But how we perceive him can almost unconsciously make us respond accordingly to him in different ways. And this is no sense of criticism, but I believe that there's a, a need for each one of us to know him better and to know who he is. Just whizzing through here, we can serve a non-powerful Jesus. Oh, that sounds kind of uh, disrespectful, doesn't it? A Jesus without power? No, he's a Jesus with power, but it's our perception. What do I mean? In Matthew 13, it says this, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in the synagogue. He was in his hometown. He taught the people in the synagogue, and they were amazed. And they said, where did this man get his wisdom? And where, and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers and that all here? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get these things? And they thought it was wonderful, so they worshipped him. No, they took offence at him. You see, they had seen Jesus grow up in Galilee. They'd seen him be a carpenter. They'd seen his family. They'd seen him around the town. They'd seen him in Tesco's. They'd seen him do normal things. And when he started to be who he really was and start to minister, they'd only been used to a non-powerful Jesus and they couldn't handle it. Who does he think he is? Where did he get all that from? That's Jesus. That's Jesus, the guy down that's in the carpenter's shop. Who does he think he is? Do you know, it is in, it's possible for us in our lives to become familiar with a non-powerful Jesus in our experience. We can, in our walk with God, have low expectations Low expectations of the reality and power of Jesus for us all. And, and, and it's an attitude that limited his effectiveness here. Because he hardly do anything, so he moved on from there. I want you to know, folks, that Jesus is powerful. And our perception of him needs to be raised. It causes us to live in our own strength, to lack confidence, and to have limited faith. If we serve a non-powerful Jesus, you can also serve an active Jesus. You see, after he was baptized and he received the Holy Spirit, he began to minister. And I tell you what, he did all sorts of wonderful things, but he caused nothing but trouble wherever he went. He just, he just, he upturned tables. He upset people. He upset the establishment. He upset the original, the, the 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 religious leaders of the day, and and, and these disciples. They were following him, thinking everything he did was wonderful. No, they thought, what's he going to do next? Oh, my goodness, there's a blind man, so he spits in his face. Anybody want to come out for prayer for sight? 
I mean, what's he doing? Get out the boat, Peter. What? Get out the boat. Get out the boat and walk on the water. What's he going to do next? And it seems to me that Jesus, when he was active, he became popular with many, but very unpopular and having fierce opposition from many others. You see, people followed him for all kinds of reasons. Can I suggest that people follow Jesus now for all kinds of reasons? To get him out of trouble. Jesus isn't a fire extinguisher, folks. He's not an emergency service. He is someone we need to love and to get to know and to follow and to trust. Um, Sometimes they came to be healed. Sometimes they came to be amazed or even fed. There's nothing wrong with coming to Jesus to be healed. Don't get me wrong. But at one point in Luke chapter 17, 10 people with leprosy came to him and he healed all 10 of them. And only one went back to say thank you. Do you know something? That's a picture of a life that just gets what they want from Jesus to do something in their lives. And when he's done it, they're fine. The one came back to give thanks. You see, Jesus isn't just here to do things for us. He's here for us to know him, to love him, to serve him, and to receive his life daily in everything that we do. But you see, when Jesus is doing stuff, and we can just then receive it and then move on. You know, there was, um, uh, when he was arrested. Ah, yeah, when he was arrested. And Pontius Pilate had... His mate Herod, the king of the Jews at the time, underneath the Roman government, Herod was there. And Herod heard that and caught Jesus and he was there. And he got all excited. He, he thought, I, want to meet, I wanted to meet this fellow because he might do a few tricks for me. He might do a few miracles. That is not what he's about. You know, people are fickle and they follow Jesus for all sorts of things. Um, on Palm Sunday, they said, Hosanna. On Friday, they crucified him. In John chapter 2, it says that while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. That's good, isn't it? But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need the testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. In other words, he wasn't impressed by people being impressed by what he did, because he knew their hearts. Jesus knows our hearts and he wants us to know him in a deeper way than just this. When Jesus was at work in the world, he raised more questions and answers. And as I said, the disciples didn't even know what he was going up to. You know, the works, as he works in and through us, let's be people who serve and are committed to him with faith. I heard a message the other week to say that belief is based on evidence about what he's done. It gives us faith for the future. But also belief is in his character and his nature. You know, sometimes we need more than evidence. Because sometimes, have you noticed, when you've got an expectation or you've got a... It doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. Now, if our trust in the working of Jesus is based upon whether we get what we want or not, then we're going to be very soon disappointed. We need to look above 
what we think God ought to do, even if we don't understand it, and recognize the character, the nature of God, because above and beyond whatever goes on and we don't understand, we've got to trust him, not what he does. We've got to trust him more than what he does. You know, when the disciples saw him taken away and crucified, they were devastated. They'd Everything's finished now. We're going to go fishing. Peter denied him. All this stuff. They just didn't know what to do because it didn't work out the way they thought it would work out. He's gone. We thought he was going to kick the Romans out not be crucified by them. We've got to trust him more than what he does. You know, in John chapter 6, he fed 5,000 people. He went over the other side of the sea and they followed him. And they only followed him because he said so. He said, I know where they've come. It's because I fed them. Come to Horizon Church, you always have cake. I hope you come for more reasons than the cake that we have every week. Of course you do. But that's why they came, because, and Jesus knew it. And then Jesus turned it on them and said, I am the bread of life. And then he said some crazy things. He said some things that were blasphemous. Cannibalism. He said, I'm the bread of life, and unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And suddenly these crowds that had followed him started to leave him. Because he'd said something awful. If you take it on its face value, it is awful. But Jesus explained to his disciples, the words that I'm saying are spirit, not physical. I'm not expecting you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. These are spiritual things where you partake of me. So the active Jesus... We also serve a risen Jesus. I mentioned that last week when it was all made, and it all made sense eventually. Everything he said made sense at the resurrection. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. Jesus revealed who he was in the most powerful of ways by rising from the dead. And it says about the couple on the road to Emmaus who didn't even know who they were talking to. It says, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Everything that had been written about Jesus, the risen Jesus, was revealed to them. Finally, the returning Jesus. Do you know something? Jesus is gone. He ascended. He sent the Holy Spirit upon the church to empower us to serve him but we live in days waiting for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ have you seen that thing that uh, satellite thing earth from satellite from space a TV program it's astonishing isn't it you seem uh, underwhelmed Who's seen it? Uh, three of us. Okay. We recorded it and I watched it yesterday, I think. And there's all this stuff about Greenland. I don't want to call it Greenland. It's covered in snow. Anyway, white land. But they're talking about all this disaster that is waiting for humanity and is going to wipe us out because of global warming. And I'm not... 
putting that down. I'm not saying, oh, none of that's important. But what I am saying is this. Folks, we're not waiting for a disaster to come. We're looking to Jesus who's going to come and restore everything. You see what I'm saying? We're not living in the light of a disaster. We're looking in the living in the light of a coming back Jesus who's promised to come back and to restore stuff. Now what we need to do, we need to serve not a non-powerful Jesus, not even an active Jesus, a risen Jesus and a Jesus who is returning. He said he told the disciples he was going to leave them and was preparing uh, them for that. Uh, in Acts chapter 1 it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem and the rest of the world. And then as they were looking at Jesus as he went up there, I think Judith made this point the other week. Um, Angel said to him, what are you looking up? What are you doing? Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? You've got stuff to do, boys. He's coming back. The same Jesus has been taken from you to heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go to heaven. And you know something? The Bible tells us Jesus taught us parables to help us to be prepared in our lives for that. If you're just living for the things that you can get in this life, you are wasting your time. You're going to die and you're going to leave it all behind. Everything. Don't store up just treasures in heaven, on earth, but treasures in heaven. Let's live for eternity. Jesus told a parable about talents. You know, the, the, the five, the two, and the one. And the, the story is that he's given resources to his people and he's going to come back and get an account. In other words, let's live our lives knowing that the master's coming back. And then there was these, um, these wise and foolish virgins. They had lamps waiting for the bridegroom to come and one of them, what, five, seven, of them seven of them ran out of oil. And they said, well, let's go, uh, you know... Give us some of your oil. And you can't do that. You can't rely on the oil of other people. You've got to get your own anointing. You see? Because they were unprepared and they missed the coming of the Master. Let's live our lives in the context of the kingdom of God. Let's, let's live our, our lives in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I have just about finished. You see, whatever you think of Jesus, whatever your experience of him is, is, there's something more. There's something greater. Paul said, whatever I, what is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And just this, that Jesus said, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. Do you know, the world in which we live in needs to know what Jesus is like. They need to know who he really is. And here's a challenge to us all. The way they're going to see Jesus is the way they see our lives witnessing to him. If we're no different to anybody else, if we don't have that hope 
And if we don't serve and live for him, then that's the Jesus that they'll think we worship. Let's bow our heads in prayer.